Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend that's joining us is Jeff from Woodland Park. The title of Jeff's story is, I Could Walk Six Months Ago. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on to Jesse Jameson and Friends. The floor is yours. Wow. I don't think I've ever had my own floor. What are, what are you supposed to do with the floor? Well, with the floor being yours, we want to hear your story. So you could walk six months ago. That tells me that you're currently not able to walk. Where does this story begin? I can do that. Let's go back to... Uh... Let's go back a little more than a decade, a little more than a decade ago. I had just finished my third softball season. Now, I live in Colorado, so we can't play softball year round. So that was, uh, I don't know, May through October. And one of the guys on my team came to me and he said, well, you know, Jeff, if you could learn how to play hockey the way you play shortstop, you'd be awesome. Now, is hockey a play a, a, a sport that you can play year-round in Colorado? Oh, yes, you can, but you missed the point. There is no connection between shortstop and playing hockey whatsoever. What he did that day is he stroked my ego, and he introduced me to the idea – of another way to compete. And that's all it took. Because the next thing I know, we were at Playing Against Sports. Tim, who grew up in Michigan, I believe, um, he showed me how to get rid of four or $500 in 10 minutes buying hockey equipment. And I walked out of Playing Against Sports pulling a bag of smelly used hockey equipment and about two months later, played my first ever hockey game I'd never played before. Did you know how to skate, though? Sure, I could skate in a counterclockwise oval. That's how most people skate, right? And now you have to learn how to go back and forth, side to side, and do it rather quickly and athletically, I'd imagine. Is there a learning curve? Did you get beat up for a while? Oh, my goodness. So let me tell you what it takes to step into hockey at age 43. Um, it takes being willing to be absolutely flat-out humiliated, because even though I've always been good at other sports, if you've never played hockey, you have no skills whatsoever for the game of hockey. It's, it's kind of in and of itself unique. So there's three things going on when you learn to play hockey. You have to get to a fitness level to play hockey. You have to learn the rules of hockey. You have to learn how to play hockey. And then where I live, there's one more thing. Uh, all of our games were played at 6,000, 7,000, and 8,500 feet where I live. 
So I couldn't breathe basically for three months uh, because you're either in shape for hockey or you're not. Hey, Jeff, every time I see hockey players, they're exceptionally good looking guys. And then they smile and then they smile and there's a couple teeth missing. Can you smile for me? I just want to uh, see if, if you're being legit. No, you got you got all those teeth? I, I don't have a very good, a very good smile. Um, I do have all my teeth because I've never not played hockey without a mask on. Okay, good for you. You're smart then. Okay. Yeah. So even though it's challenging, you've always been into athletics and obviously you love to compete. Did that help fuel where you accelerated the learning curve, so to speak? And did you get good no. relatively quick? No, no, okay. it didn't. No, I'm telling you, it is flat out 100% humility and humiliation. <laughs> um, I was good at nothing. In fact, the first time I went to play hockey, I, I stepped into a locker room. A lot of other guys were already there. I opened up my bag and I started, uh, I started panning the room with my eyes because I had no idea what order to put the equipment on in. So they're they, thinking. So they're thinking. Who's the new guy that's staring at us while we're nude? Is that I kind of? I, I don't know what they were thinking, but I had to watch other guys to learn how to put the equipment on. That's how. That's how completely green I was. Um. So yeah. so there so there's a little fear and apprehension, but also excitement. Oh no! There is complete total fear and apprehension. And humiliation, don't forget the humiliation part. I think I mentioned that, right? Because I went from being really good at softball, and I could go out on any field and you know, feel like I'm in my element. Uh, as soon as I stepped on the ice the first time, well, the first time I stepped on the ice, it was a real game with real referees a real scoreboard and people who knew how to play real hockey, except for me. So I lined up on the wrong side of the line <laughs> and the referee looked at me and he said, uh, you're on the wrong side. I said, Oh, thank you. I, I got that. And I moved to the other side and I didn't do that again. Well, didn't you get any coaching or did they just I say, got, get out no. there, Jeff? Now, my friend Tim said he was going to he was going to teach me everything I needed to know. And that did not happen. <laughs> well, hey, at least you got the humiliation part. That's the first thing to learn. And, and it oh, sounds like I, you did that. Yeah, I got three months of that. So it took three months before everything clicked. And I decided when I decided to do something, I go in head first. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, I played in three different leagues. So I was humiliated 24 by seven, and I was in pain for three straight months because I was building muscles that unless you play hockey, you just don't have. At the three month mark, one night, not only did I score, I scored a hat trick. Really? So that was a be beautiful anniversary. That was a tremendous night. 
And from that point forward, now I knew I could actually score. I knew where to go, how to do it. And I, I dropped a little bit of the humiliation, but it carried on for a good solid 12 months. 12 months in three leagues. Is that the equivalent of doing three, three years or were, no, other people, or were other people obsessed and in all the leagues too? I don't have any idea, but uh, I came down to your town over Memorial Day that year. I played hockey for all of five months and I was talked into playing in a tournament. It's one of the largest tournaments in the world. Uh, 120 teams from the U.S. and Canada show up. Here in Arizona, where I live? In Phoenix. We skated on every sheet of ice in your city. Yeah. God, you figure they would have thrown one commercial up so we'd know about it. <laughs> it's, it's there every Memorial Day. Okay, got you. Yeah, so um, I actually scored the first goal of the tournament for my team. You're supposed to ask me, well, how did that happen? Well, ask me. you've got a natural stud inside of you, but I'll, I'll humor you. How did that happen, Jeff? Oh, Holy moly. It's funny you should ask that. <laughs> so somebody passed me the puck. I was just inside the blue line. I cut the puck, which is in and of itself kind of a crazy thing because learning how to catch a pass is, is a fundamental skill that I still did not have. I caught the puck. I looked up. There's no one between me and the goalie. There's a guy barreling down on me. I know you. I know he's going to take the puck because I don't have any skills. But one thing I could do right out of the gate is I learned how to shoot. And I, I, let, I let go of a shot that went right over the goalie's shoulder because he was thinking, nobody shoots from the blue line. So you nail this slap shot right past him I, simply I because did. he couldn't see it coming because he couldn't fathom it. You've got, this, you've got this right. guy barreling down on you. I assume he lets up, or does he still hit you? Well, I don't even remember. I don't care. I scored. So, so all, all your teammates are, are around you. You're feeling this exhilaration. Is softball, hey. is softball done now, or is softball still something you do three months or nine months out of the year? Well, it's funny you should ask that because – in September, uh, I had played my 75th game. In fact, that night, I skated two games back-to-back. -back. Uh, I was still playing softball. It was about to wind up, or wind down, I guess. And that's when this whole story begins. Did you want me to dive into that? I definitely do. But before we get there, so you're playing all these sports. So evidently your wife and your daughter and the family dog, they don't like you around home much, right? They're kicking you out saying, go no, do something. No, no, no. No, that's not the case. When my wife and I got married 20 years ago, in our wedding vows, she chose to say, and Jeff can ski as much as he wants as long as his body allows. She put, a, lo she put a loophole in, in the contract for you. I, that's, I, that's beautiful. I, yeah. 
Now, does she, does she know how to ski too? Um, she did for a little while and then she had an injury and it, it stopped her. So the plan, okay. the plan worked. We're going to take her out. We'll try to set her on a course where she gets an injury and then I can still ski as much as I want by myself. Yeah, no, that wasn't the plan, but I managed to negotiate uh, hockey and mountain biking along with the skiing. And she was a trooper with all of those things I, I needed to do. Okay, so all these things combined, I'm getting the impression of somebody that's just in really good shape, and you must have been proud of yourself. Did you? Did you have I more muscle? Did you have more muscle development than you ever thought possible? Um, it, it wasn't. Ah, yeah, there was some, but it was. It was probably more of just getting toned and losing, uh, losing flabby fat stuff. So my desire, the reason I started playing was uh, I went to my doctor and I, and I said, Greg, I'm, I'm here today because I've done all the homework. I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, you probably do. Well, what, what should I do about that? Well, we can, we can go to some medication. Well, what's the medication going to do? Well, the medication will take the edge off. Well, you're not touching my edge. That's, that's what I compete with. That's how I make a living. What else can we do? Well, he had played volleyball with me, so he knew how I play sports. You play every damn sport, don't you, <laughs> I, I would. I would play, what about badminton? Did you ever do badminton? I've played badminton, sure. <laughs> um, but seriously, Greg, Greg looked at me very quickly and he said, for you, I would, I would diagnose or no, I'm sorry, prescribe. I would prescribe another sport with a referee and a scoreboard that happens year round. And when my buddy Tim talked about hockey, it just made sense because he told me I could play year round. And I asked him, is there a scoreboard? Are there referees? Yeah, there's two referees. Okay, I'm allowed to do this. Hey, it, it sounds like you and your doctor have a good relationship. I hate when you say, hey, Joey, to the doctor, and he's like, no, it's, it's Dr. Snyder. <laughs> sounds yeah. like you had a good relationship with your doctor. Do I just have bad relationships? With I'm like, hey, Joe, no, no, it's Dr. Turner to you. Okay, all right, forget I said anything. No, I love, I love that you and Greg are actually friends. Who was better at volleyball, though? Be honest. Well, Greg was like six foot 11. That's an excuse. Uh, who's who's I actually was more skilled. Oh, get real. You know. <laughs> but, but, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Well, okay. you asked the question. So you're in every sport. In high school, you probably yeah. played the traditional sports of uh, basketball, baseball, and football, correct? Yeah. Okay, so you've been a sports junkie your whole life. Is this something you got from your pa, your grandfather, your, your brother, your mom? I have two brothers that I believe are 15 and 17 years older than me. They never played a sport. My parents were not anywhere near athletic. So when I came along, uh, quite frankly, they didn't know what to do with me. You were adopted, correct? 
No. <laughs> I was, I just came along and wait. Um, and those, I, I, I'm not kidding. They, they had no idea what to do with me. So in sixth grade, I started a basketball team and got our PE teacher to coach it. And in sixth grade, I started playing baseball and I made the all-star team my first year. So sports has always been a confidence booster. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about when things started to go wrong. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with Jeff's story. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future. Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear, and listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmsted introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. So, Jeff, you're starting to play volleyball. You're starting to play year-round sports because your doctor literally says, let's find you something where there's a scoreboard and you can do it year-round. You start playing hockey. You go from being the goofball that's, that's starting hockey at 43 when no one does in their right mind. But for some reason, you get obsessed. 
you turn what you think is adult ADHD into just determination to really enjoy yourself. What are you doing career-wise at this time? Because I imagine you have a job or is your wife uh, letting you just be unemployed and play sports all day? I started working from home in 1997 and I've been in the executive search business and about the same time, I, I was also uh, beginning to do executive coaching. So you're teaching people who are executives how to be the best that they can be so that their company or corporation they work for can excel. That is exactly right. I, I am a per performance coach. So I don't, coach, I don't coach people who are broken. I coach people who are in good shape who want to – we want to get to excellent. And you were successful at this because otherwise you wouldn't have had this long of a history working from home. So obviously you're doing something right. It's, your, what, I, yeah, it's what I still do today. Your show or your, the title of your show is I could walk six months ago. It sounds to me like, and are we still back 10 years ago or how many years into hockey? Yeah, we're, we're in 2010. But we're so, going to progress real fast. So let's go back to the hockey and stuff. At what point is there a catalytic or catalysmic catastrophe or what, what's going on? It's September 17th, 2010. I, I played two games back to back that night. I was in probably the best shape of my entire life because I've now played 75 hockey games in my new career that I'm paying to play. Uh, notice I wasn't getting paid to play. I was paying to play. And I drove home that night. My shoulders felt just really weird. Shoulders okay. pl plural, both or one side? Uh, yeah, like across my upper back. Um, my arms kind of felt weird and I'm, I'm driving home thinking, okay, I've just played two games back-to-back. -back. I'm 43 years old. I just need to take a shower again and go to bed, and I'll be fine. So I came home, and I think I took another shower. Um, I went to bed, and I tossed and turned for hours. At exactly 4 a.m., I got out of bed. My wife was asleep. I went to the living room. I pulled out my laptop. And I pulled up WebMD, which I'd never gone to before. And they say is bad luck because people start giving themselves every condition in the book. But you have to well, solve your curiosity at this point, right? I had all kinds of weird feelings that I'd never had before. What about Greg? Could Greg have been called Dr. Greg? Well, I didn't know I needed a doctor. So, no. Okay. No, I, I, I just think something's not right. I'll uh, check the it, symptoms. I'll check yeah, the symptoms yeah. on WebMD. So what do you, and what I, do you type? I don't remember. It was 4 a.m. I, I have no idea. But I, I started looking for things. All of a sudden, I found a list of symptoms that you're having a heart attack, and I could check every single box. I took an aspirin. Which is what they recommend, right? Because that can actually well, off, offset the symptoms of an upcoming heart attack. Somewhere along the line, I just remembered 
that aspirin thins the blood. So I took an aspirin. I, I can't, I can't give you a big scientific reason. I just did. And around 7 a.m. after the girls were taken to the bus, I asked my wife to take me to the hospital, which is a mile away. Uh, we got to the emergency room. I was, I was in a bed for about five minutes and the doctor walked in and he said, Mr. Snyder, you're having a heart attack. Oh, we've called an ambulance. We're going to get you down to Colorado Springs. Small hospital to big hospital, right? Yeah. Some, some place uh, yeah. that can handle it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I made it about 18 miles. And I'm in the back of the ambulance. I've never been in an ambulance before. So this is kind of a novelty. I'm looking around. And all of a sudden, I feel the acceleration. I hear the siren. And it was still dark-ish. I could see the reflection of the lights. And that's the last thing I remember. Uh, my my blood pressure dropped to nothing. And the paramedic did whatever he did and saved me from dying right there in the ambulance. Um, I don't remember any of this, but apparently something similar happened again in the emergency room. And next thing I know, I woke up on a, an operating table and laying on my back and there is a catheter in my growing uh, there's a doctor I've never met before who's putting stents in my heart. I woke you know, up in the middle of all this. You got cheated because they say when you go to heaven, you're supposed to see like, you know, really beautiful angels and all this nice stuff. You just kind of remember waking up with a stent in your peepee, -pee, a weird doctor looking down at you. That must have felt more like an alien abduction. Is there pain when you're going through this or is there actually a fuzziness and you feel like you're being zapped out of uh, reality? No, I, I don't remember anything from the uh, the ambulance about 18 miles down the road with four miles to go. That's it. I don't remember anything. I'm so, really, I'm really glad that you had the wherewithal to go to the hospital because otherwise you wouldn't have been lucky enough to be with an EMT when all this happened. So yes, that is a blessing that he right. saved you. What's the doctor tell you when you come to and you finally realize what has happened? Well, the only thing I remember is I woke up at some point in the ICU. My wife and the doctor are standing near the door. And I, I'm pretty sure I remember him asking her, what does your husband do? And she said, well, you know, he, he does executive coaching and recruiting, but he plays hockey three times a week. And, and the doctor really couldn't comprehend that because he's from Miami. Right. He's like, he does what? Um, ironically, I saw that doctor today. We'll talk about that later. So I have a very close relationship now with a cardiologist. He was the one on call when I rolled into the emergency room. He saved my life. So three months later, I got back on the ice. That's when I was allowed. 
and I skated 200 more hockey games. Now, wait a minute. You're skipping a spot here. Oh, I forgot to tell you. They found, they found an aortic aneurysm. That's right. So that's what I was getting at. You have a heart attack, and I assume most people in your age would be thinking, time to, to put up the hockey skates and call I, it a day. I have no idea what other people would think. I didn't ask. But either way, you're not quitting hockey. You're ready to go back. You're just waiting for approval. Well, I, yeah, I, I squeezed until I got approval. Around 90 days, the stents had grown into my heart, and it was okay for me to go play. So I got back on the ice, 200 more games. Uh, everything was going great. I'm in phenomenal shape. But this time I have an objective. It wasn't just to get in shape. It was to show up for a future open heart surgery to repair an aortic aneurysm, something else that I had nothing to do with creating, except we didn't know what the future was. We didn't know when that was going to be. So that aneurysm was measured for three and a half years until one time I had it measured and the doctor, doctor's office called and said, it's time. So they knew about this thing. Your game plan was I'm going to hockey my way to it to basically stay in, to stay in great shape so that when I do go through the open heart, it's not a weak man going through it. It's a strong man. That is exactly right. Seems like a smart plan. Is there a flaw to the plan? Uh, No, there's no flaw to the plan at all because the first thing that happens after you have open heart surgery is as soon as you wake up from the anesthesia and the, the surgery, they make you get out of bed, walk around the room to a chair. You cannot use your arms. So you have to have core body strength before you get there in order to make that move happen because the 120 pound nurse certainly wasn't going to catch the 200 pound me that just woke up from anesthesia. Got you. So I was able to do that. Um, when it was time to get out of the bed and walk around the, the cardiac ward, well, most people do that once. I did it once and asked, can we go again? And we did it twice. I said, can we do another one? And we went three times. So they let me out of the hospital within just a a couple of days. I didn't have to stay very long. You are obsessed. You're you're a warrior at heart, and you were ready to hit that ice rink. Were you kind of jonesing for sports too? Are you a sports addict? Uh, What do you mean? Well, I just watching other people. I I've spoken with you prior to the taping of this show that we're doing together, and I just get I just get the impression that. If it were up to you, you'd be doing something sportsy and athletically every single day for many, many hours of the day. I I would, yeah. I love competition. And when when you exercise at that level, sleeping is not an issue. So you slept like a baby. That was another thing I was going to ask you earlier because I was like, I know that if people – start to slowly choke off their sleep pattern, it can really have harmful effects. But you're not having this at all. If anything, you're sleeping better. 
you're probably enjoying food too, right? Because when you're really tired and you're working out. I ate anything I wanted to. Right. Just not, you know, nothing outrageous in excess. I, I just didn't worry about what I was eating. So you go through a heart attack, you go through a open heart surgery. When do you decide I'm ready to put, put my feet back into the rink or I'm ready to go back? Well, that discussion happened before the open heart surgery. So that was on April 22nd, July 16, 2014. Uh, I called the, the woman, I forgot her title, who ran the surgeon's office. And I, I said, a new session starts tomorrow night. Can I play yet? Because I've been working hard to, to get there. And she, to my surprise, she gave me permission. So the next night I showed up for my red team on Thursday night and all the jaws of my teammates hit the floor. They're like, Lazarus has come back. <laughs> well, it, it, it wasn't even three months. Right. That's kind of freaky. And then two weeks later, we went on vacation. Uh, we went to Park City, Utah. And I had them put my mountain bike on the back of a ski lift. And I rode up by myself and decided I was going to ride down the mountain. And I did. And I took a wrong turn. So uh, a one-hour ride became a three-hour ride. You did it on but, purpose. But I, yeah, I probably did. I, I made it. And so all of these things that I did were all written down. They were all written goals. They're still on my whiteboard. I, I, I achieved all of them. So if you want to know how you get through these, these setbacks, well, you do it by being in shape in the first place because the, the original heart attack I had, uh, most people don't make it through that particular flavor of heart attack. Well, and most people get heart attacks because they're in poor shape. Did you have right. maybe, did you have some underlying genetics or something? that? Well, I did. My, my father had a heart attack when he was 46. So it actually fit perfectly. Right, you're basically his same age there, and you're going through that um, same. I was stuff. forty. I was forty-three, and I I always knew it was a possibility. Right. So I kept myself in very good shape. But for anyone who's listening, you need to know that if you have a predisposition to develop heart disease, you're going to develop it whether you're in great shape or not. That's kind, of, that's kind of sobering because I know there are some vegans and some uh, workout junkies out there that, that, that feel like they can kind of avoid the inevitable. And really, they're probably yeah. just delaying the inevitable, right? Well, we, it, it's not necessarily delaying. It's the difference between the outer shape person has a heart attack and they die. Right. The in shape person has a heart attack and their body may have enough, you know, enough strength to help them fight through with medical intervention. So we have about 45 seconds before break. 
you make this one hour bike ride into three, but I'm assuming that it was a fun three hours and you survived. Did you end up surviving the vacation as a whole? And, and do oh, we, I did. okay, good. So that was a good experience, but you do come back and you've got about 30 seconds here before we go to break. You get back on the, the hockey rink and give us a little bit before we go to break. Real simple. The heart surgeon looked at me and said, it's been nice knowing you. I never want to see you again. When you heal up, you're good to go. So at this point, you're healed and everything looks great. And you're already a workout warrior with a great sense of competition. So everything should be perfect. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss how things don't always work out the way we hope. We'll be right back. Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Jeff, I really enjoy talking with you because um, I went into the World Series of Poker uh, in 06, 07, and 08. And I did it simply because I miss the competition. I've done volleyball and basketball leagues. I've played golf and what have you. And when you say that you love the competition, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, And I think that's why a lot of people wish they were young sometimes. Not so they could do it all over again, like they say, just so they could go out and play. Because there's something really fun about playing. You, um, before we went to break, uh, we're just getting back from your vacation. Your doctor tells you that you are looking perfect. Was the doctor 100% correct? Doctor was absolutely correct. Uh, I got back on the ice. My buddy Gary 
who's been my defensive partner for almost 10 years. He said, man, I hate when you come back from your comebacks. Why is that? Because I, I have to start getting sore all over again. We just don't play as hard as a team when you're not there. Which is a really nice compliment. He's basically saying oh, you're, sure you're, the, you're, the, you're the spark plug of our team. You're the heart of our team. So welcome back. I'm not looking forward to the pain yet. Deep down, he really was. Oh, yeah, he was. So, yeah, Gary's my, uh, Gary's my mountain bike buddy. He's a ski buddy. We've been on the ice together somewhere around 700 times. So that's 2014. Everything looked good. I, I skated hundreds more hockey games. Every time there was open ice, Gary and I were on it. We just loved moving the puck back and forth and getting better. 2018, it's September again. I hate September. I believe it was September the 6th. Uh, I went dressed out. It's the red team against the green team. In the first period, about the third shift, I collapsed. I don't remember anything, but the coach on the other team is a former EMT. And about three years ago, the rink installed a defibrillator on the wall. You know, it's that, it's that box with glass on the front of it. Right. They have like them at the, at the airports, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, it's where everybody parked their water bottles, <laughs> you know, while they were tying up their skates and everything. Well, he had somebody apparently go get the defibrillator. Uh, I guess they undressed me. He shocked me, got my heart started again. I was dead. Oh, so wow. I, I went into cardiac arrest. Uh, most people don't know that cardiac arrest is not a heart attack. Okay. Teacher. I was not, I was not going to have another heart attack. Okay. Heart so your heart attacks are for unhealthy hearts, cardiac no, arrest. No, no, no. Hold, hold on. I'll tell you. Heart attack is a plumbing issue. Requires a cardiologist. And if you have open heart surgery, a heart surgeon, what, cardiac arrest is, is it's an electrical imbalance, an electrical storm in your heart. And it's, it's enough to stop the heart entirely. So when my heart stopped, I collapsed. There was no oxygen going to my brain for some period of time. I, I had no idea how long. Had the EMT not been right there in the, in the rink, well, I probably would have brain damage today because I would have had to wait until the paramedics showed up with the ambulance. So by the time the paramedics got there, he already had me going again. I, I Oh, I don't even know who it was. And I kind of don't want to know. Somebody did CPR. That means one of my dudes on the team was, Giving me CPR. That's kind of gross. that's 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 love, Jeff. That just shows yeah. you, that just shows you how much people care about you. And yeah, and I, I and I and I can <laughs> see and I can see how I've only known you for about two hours in my life, but I'm I'm better for it. I want you to know that. Well, thank you. 
I, I wish it would have been a girl, but was anyway. He, did he did he say it was enjoyable? Was he a good kisser? <laughs> I have no idea who it was. So my my wife has called. The game has stopped. The game is canceled. Everybody goes home. A couple guys come to the hospital. Apparently, it, all this happened. Uh, I was put into a medically induced coma. And I was in the coma for several days. So the idea was to try to save brain functionality. It's a cooling down, warming up process of some sort. But the basic thought behind it is let's let the brain not have to worry about the whole body. So we'll sedate them, put them into a coma, and then it can kind of heal itself. So I know that there is some genuine strategy behind that. Right. Well, you might be right. Um, all I know is I went through all this. Uh, my wife was told that I could wake up as a vegetable. I could maybe not wake up at all. Or, you know, I could wake up with some minor inconveniences and I don't know that anyone gave me much chance to wake up and get back on the ice. Well, I did. Uh, I woke up, they put a defibrillator pacemaker in my chest so that if I ever went into that, uh, that fibrillation bad heartbeat again, my own device would, would shock me and put it back into order so I wouldn't have to go through all that nonsense again. Um, I talked the doctor into letting me go back to hockey. It was probably two or three months. I don't remember. But I got back on the ice and I, I set a goal of 50 games because cardiac arrest has a 90% death rate. I have no earthly idea if anybody ever goes through cardiac arrest and then goes back to their hockey team. The Terminator. You sound like the Terminator at this point, uh, Jeff. Terminator, yeah. No, I'm not the Terminator. Uh, I'm not even the $6 million man. So um, everything was going fine until spring of 2018. I crushed my goal. I hit 50 hockey games by May. And sometime in April or May, I had a minor stroke. You say it, some, sometime between this time period, minor as in so minor you didn't know? I didn't know. Okay. It, it was in the back of my brain. That's where your balance center is. Um, I didn't know but I started having balance issues. And when you're on two skinny blades, you're gonna know that you don't have balance. Uh, I started falling down, I never fell down before. Somebody could push me with their little, you know, their pinky finger and knock me down. So I knew something was wrong, but I, I kept on going. And even after the stroke, I skated 79, or I'm sorry, 29 more games. My goal was 100 now, and I got to 79, and that was it. So progressively, the stroke caused problems, 
and something kicked in that we didn't know was going on. It turns out I've been genetically tested. I carry a gene that, that runs with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay. I can't, I can't tell you for sure, and the doctors have no idea, but it seems like the brain trauma that I went through with, with cardiac arrest somehow triggered the gene that was already in me to fire off and do what it does. So for about two years now, uh, I have had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. I made it until July 1st, 2020, walking. And on July 1st, I quit walking. I live in a wheelchair now. Um, and, and that's what blew me away, Jeff, when you told me that the other day, because... <sighs> When I think of somebody going through these issues, I think of somebody that, you know, maybe you've been wheelchair bound for the past two to five years. No, oh. five, six months ago, which we all can remember well, I mean, it was right there in the middle part of the summer. You, right. liter you literally got to the point where you had to call it quits on walking. You've had to call it quits on your sports and your competitiveness. You find out that if you don't have ALS, you have something very similar, a cousin of ALS of some sorts. That's right. Um, let our let our fans at 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 home know what what was the basic prognosis because before it was always I'm going to overcome this and get back on the on the ice is is that still a goal that you have now or is that no. a goal that's that's not possible anymore? No, this this is this game is different. Yeah, I can't win it, and I'm losing. I know. Your uh, your daughter and your wife are just so wonderful. They are such good teammates, and you know that day that you were in the coma. Even though you don't remember that day, I'm sure your wife will admit that that's probably one of the worst days of her life, and I'm sure it was for your daughter too. You know, um, let me ask you this because I know ALS is something that you know it's not like you can wish it away or what have you. Right. But people can take better health knowledge of themselves. You went to WebMD when you were starting to have some weird symptoms. Let our folks at home know how important it is to be in tune with your body, you know, to know where your baseline and when you are feeling weird, because there was a piece of you that wanted to just say, hey, I'm, I just did two games and I'm middle-aged. This is just normal muscle. I mean, you were trying to you know, trying sure. to think it away, right? What, what, how important it is, is it that we, you know, keep track of our symptoms and weird well, things within us? I'm going to give you a, an odd answer to your question. Uh, I, I coach people to figure out how to find the best version of themselves. I use a tool called Clifton Strengths to do that. In Clifton Strengths, I'm helping people to figure out exactly who they are and who they're not. Are you still coaching? Yes. That's that's amazing. Let me ask yeah. you this. Is there a website where people could at least visit you? Oh, sure. It's it's Jeff Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, coaching.com. And Jeff is J-E-F-F, -F, uh, just in case the folks that's at right. home are listening. So here's why I brought that in. Uh, I didn't bring it in for business purposes. I brought it in because there's an article in the 
2018 March, April Harvard Business Review suggesting that less than 10% of people are walking around with accurate self-awareness. Well, I, I solved that problem. So the answer to your question is, psychologically, most people don't know exactly who they are. And I think from a physical standpoint, the vast majority of people are not in touch with what their body is telling them. When you get in touch with your body, it speaks. It will tell you, stop doing this, it hurts. You've gone too far, that's too heavy. Just like a child, that's too hot, don't touch it. So yes, uh, I, I got to the place where I could go to my doctor. In fact, I went to the cardiologist today and I can tell my cardiologist what's going on. He doesn't even have to ask. And it's not because I'm as smart as he is in, in heart issues. It's because he knows that I know exactly what's going on with my body. And today I went to the cardiologist and my request was to turn off my defibrillator. Why? Well, because I'm going to die from ALS. It's an incurable disease. If I can be lucky enough to go into cardiac arrest before I die of ALS, I'll take it any day. And it's a decision I made with my wife. So we're not going to hang on to the bitter end. I'm not going on. Uh, I am not going to be intubated. I will not have a breathing tube. I will not have a feeding tube. I will die when my body is ready to stop breathing. And that's what ALS will do. It'll, it'll, sh it'll shut down my, my organs. You're very brave. I think that uh, based on how I see your daughter and your wife interact with you, I think you're obviously a wonderful husband and a wonderful man. I do think it's wonderful that you're letting people, hey, people at home, you have to start being aware of your body. My mother's one of these that the doctor tells her, you need to watch your diet because, you know, you're on pace to get a heart attack or a stroke if you don't change your diet. And I wish my mom would take it more seriously. It's one of those things that you can't really talk people into taking their health more seriously. They have to kind of, it comes from within, right? Right. Well, it does. And most people are not aware of, of the inertia that sucks them back towards their comfort zone when they decide they're going to try to do something different or new. The inertia that's pulling you back to the bad behavior is unbelievably powerful. And it takes help. So if I could say one last thing about the sport idea is my buddy Gary became my my skating buddy my mountain biking buddy my hiking buddy it is so much easier to be motivated when you when you've made an appointment at 11 a.m to meet your buddy at a trailhead and you're not just relying on your your own self-discipline because most people will fail at that
So get a teammate, have fun. It doesn't, yes. necess- it doesn't necessarily have to be a gym membership. You can join a softball league. You can do a bowling league. It really is good for the soul. So you have no regrets about all your sports and competitions and friends. I, and have, no, I have no regrets whatsoever. Jeff, uh, on behalf of Jesse Jameson and friends, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, that's all for this week's show, everybody. But Jeff Snyder, a big thankful, a big thank you to you. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.